Welcome to episode 93 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place where fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we are chatting with the lovely Candace Wolf about her former design business that she intentionally quit. We're going to dig into some of the assumptions that we make when somebody quits or changes direction. Consider how stress and burnout enter the equation. And I'm going to ask Candace to talk about how we can assess whether it's time to quit something. I'm Amanda Wagner, speaker, business strategist, and professional hype woman. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not, and are ready instead to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. Candace Wolf, I have been so excited about this interview because when I brought up the idea, I brought it up to our mutual friend, Janice, and I said, I think I want to talk about this. And she said, you have to talk to Candace. Just ask her about the laundry room. <laughs> so can you take us to the laundry room? Give us a bit of a history. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, if you listen to the Quitters Club podcast, I do tell this story, but I'll give you the, the short version. Um, basically, I had been in business for myself for probably at that point, three and a half, four years. And... I was supposed to go out for dinner with some girlfriends, like Friday night coming up, we're supposed to go out for dinner, and I was sitting on my couch looking at my bank account thinking like, I, like, I just can't go. Like, how could I possibly? I don't have, like, I literally have no more money. I've been borrowing to pay my bills for longer than I care to admit. And I was just like, oh, like, what am I going to do? And also there wasn't a lot of... Um, business lined up at the moment so I was like and it was just a a slog like it was a struggle to to constantly be hustling for business do the work you know when you're a one one person show um so I was doing laundry and I was walking to the laundry room and I totally lost my shit sorry I I don't know if we can curse on this okay um I just started bawling because I was like I I can't do this. I, like, I can't keep going. I, like, what's my cutoff? And and what is the, like, the risk reward I was weighing kind of both of them thinking like, oh my God, this is not, this is not working. And I just lost it. And I, I talk about this on the podcast is that I, I was feeling like so embarrassed, like so much shame and so much relief to be like, I'm done. I'm not going. I'm done. These two feelings at once, the shame and the relief. Tell me about the shame. (laughs) Well, as you know, when you are a business owner in this time frame, if you have any social media presence, which I did, I was, uh, like in the visual design business. So of course I was on Instagram and LinkedIn and all the things. 
you, you've just been in this space where you're talking about how awesome things are because I'm like, I'm really good at marketing and I'm really good at that kind of stuff so I can talk about it. And as you should, right? You should, you know, boost yourself up. And so I guess the shame was like, oh my God, now what? Now I have to go back and get a job, which is n- not where I saw myself being at any point. Um, and it's like, now what? Now you have to f- not face all these people because a lot of them don't even know you. But it's just like, I don't know. It felt like a failure. At the time, it felt like a failure. Can you say how long you felt like a failure for? Could you identify that? <laughs> like hours or like, what do you mean? Yeah. That like, like I felt like a failure for the next six months or I felt like a failure till the end of the day and then I sloughed it off. Kind of not that long, to be honest. I'm, wow. I, and surprisingly, I've kind of come to realize that I'm fairly resilient. So, and also I was broke. So I didn't have time to think about the, all my failure. I was like, okay, well, how do I, I need to get money. Like I either need to, like what's next, right? And so I just went into planning. I'm a Virgo. So I just went into planning mode. And so it kept me out of that. Whoa. I mean, don't ask Janice. She'll tell you otherwise. But it kept me out of that. Um, I mean, yeah, I felt sorry for myself. Sometimes I still do. But it didn't mm. keep me in that space for too long. I'm, I'm digging into this shame, if you will, uh, because <laughs> I want you to feel super comfortable here. <laughs> the Great. reason I'm asking about your shame is because I think that that's many people's worst fear, mine included, that... If I were to quit, who's going to know? What are they going to say? What assumptions are they going to make? Do people really give a shit about what I'm doing? Like, am I going to find out that no one actually cares that I quit this thing that was so big to me? Nobody really thinks about it. Yeah. And it, this is the, this was the biggest realization. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. And also I am a good storyteller. So I spun the story. To make it, and not that I've lied about the story in any, in any way, but I turned it into a positive. I turned it into something that was good. And even looking back, like that was just a little over four years ago. In that, in that time, like two years later, I felt differently than I do now four years later. Like now I'm like, thank God for that experience, you know? Oh, I love that. I think that... Yes, I think so much of the fear is wrapped up in the shame that we'll feel or the fear that we're going to make a mistake. Now, you said you also had that relief. What did the relief feel like for you? What did it open up for you? <laughs> like, like, instead of like this, I was literally like felt a major change in my body composition. It just felt like, I, I think for a long time, I was maybe what I would describe as hopeless. And so (laughs) making it sound like it was like the, you know, the darkest of times. It wasn't, it was just, it wasn't what I anticipated entrepreneurship to be, you know, based on everyone I followed on Instagram. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause Instagram is a true picture of what it actually looks like. (laughs) Totally. Right. And I think then I felt, uh, yeah, I felt hopeful again. 
like, yeah, like that what's next feeling. Now what am I going to do? And what's so crazy is I was so worried what people would think and, and that I wouldn't be employable. Tell me more. Well, because I had owned my own business and failed at it according to, um, you know, most like societal standards, I guess. But I didn't fail at it. And I was, I'm so employable. Like I have so many skills and empathy I never had for employers, you know, and I just, I can look at a, even just being in the, in a, in one role, I can look at the business from all angles and like a wider lens to do my job better, to help other people do their job better. So yeah, like I learned so much, even if though it was such a short period of time. And yeah, I just think having that holistic sense of, okay, I have a sense of what goes into running a business now that does change you as you're an employer. So how did you tell the story to your future employer? Cause you said you get to craft that narrative. Yeah. And um, we have some shame, but also some hope. What did you say? Well, I mean, I've, I've kind of positioned myself to future employers as someone like a Jill of all trades, right? Because I've been on all angles of it and I'm in the construction industry. I always have been, I still am. And I've been in every facet of it. I've been every stakeholder. So I understand all the players and I know how to speak to all of them. So I just sort of, I guess, I don't know when I'm talking about it with employers and they know like the questions I ask them, you know, about their, like, what is the ROI for this? What, you know, I'm always asking those like big picture questions. They know kind of where my head is at, I guess. Because I want to make sure that you feel safe and secure here. Let's go back to when you lost your shit doing laundry. Yeah, okay. As somebody who had a lost my shit moment in June, what what was the worst case scenario for you in your business at that moment? Worst case scenario for me would, at the time, would have been to file for bankruptcy, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I've told this story before, you know, on my podcast and to other people <laughs> that I was, I was watching Arlene Dickinson speak once and she was like, oh, you know, th- that was like in the early days, you know, when you were paying your mortgage with your credit card. And I remember like thinking to myself, okay, so that is a thing. Cause that's what I was doing. And I wasn't sure like if other people do that. <laughs> and so to me, worst case scenario was, um, like financial loss, I guess, because in reality, that's why I started my own business, which was for the wrong reason. Just FYI. (laughs) Say more things. Starting business for money is the wrong reason. Tell me more. Okay. Well, do you need to? I mean, (laughs) like, you know, everybody always is like, you know, you better know your why you better know your why. And I thought I did, but I didn't. I started it so that I could have financial freedom (laughs) It's funny thinking about it now and, and just freedom in general, you know, and I, I, I never had freedom. I had even less. I had tons of flexibility in my schedule and how I wanted to work, but I didn't have any freedom. 
And I never had peace of mind, ever. I heard this before from people that the idea that entrepreneurship gives you freedom and flexibility, sure, but that means you have to have all these other resources in order to take that freedom. If you don't Mm -hmm. use it, then it's not there. If you're stressed about money and you can't sleep at night, that's not good enough, right? That peace of mind isn't there. Now, there's another angle. Candace, tell us if you're uncomfortable with talking about this. I can cut it or we can not talk about it. Your health was also a big red flag that you suppressed and suppressed for a very long time. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's interesting too, is a lot of people I've talked to who have been in situations that they, that weren't right for them or didn't, you know, feel good also had those like similar health red flags come up that were like, "Mm, something's not right here. But yeah, my, the first like weird thing that I had was my eyes started watering for three years. And I, I don't know what it, it was. Just, it was for insane. three years. Well, it would just like, once it got going, it would just run and run and run. And it was like, it was so bizarre. My system was so off, but I also, I hardly slept because I was quite stressed out. So I would like. I'd probably go to bed around 10, but I woke up at like three without fail all the time. And I just get up because I'm like, well, I'm up, you know? And so I just wow. wasn't sleeping. I just wasn't operating well at all. So there's things that became normal, right? Your eyes watering, getting up at three, paying your mortgage with your credit card. Those things just start to become normalized. What was the thing that made you go, hang on, this isn't normal? Well, the not having any money in my bank account was one thing. The, the period, so my period started kind of acting wonky on me. It would just come out of nowhere, go away for a week, come back. Like it was just things were off. And I remember, this was even prior, like there were all the, you know how like they say, like it first starts out as a whisper. So there were all these signs that were there that I was like, hmm, I had gone to, I was probably like two, two and a half years into my business, maybe even three. I had gone to Palm Springs with my friend Diana. And I think I was like working while I was there. We were on vacation, but I was like checking emails and stuff. And I remember, th- and she had kind of just maybe started her business. And I remember thinking to myself, wh- I said to her, why? Like, I notice everyone around me is not hustling. Like, they don't seem to be working as hard as I am. <laughs> they're, they're getting work and I'm not. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why? What is going on? You know? And I mean, obviously now I've had four years to think about it. I, I know exactly what went wrong, like going back to why I went into business for myself. I was always in the business of interior design, but I didn't love it. Right. So I was doing something that was like, felt like a pain kind of every day. Did you you do it because you were good at it? I mean, sure. Yeah. People said that they, and, and, and a lot of times what people don't realize in interior design is you don't get to just, I mean, unless you're, you establish yourself and work your way up to a certain point, you don't get to just walk into somebody's house and be like, this is what we're doing. And even if you are that person, sometimes 
it's it's somebody's personal space. They're it's they're very particular about it. So you're basically just doing what they need you to do. And it's more project management than anything. Like the creative aspect is is less. So I just wasn't loving the every day of it. We will of course link to your podcast called The Quitters Club. You shared something that I relate to so strongly in one of your episodes and you talk about how joy for you often comes from doing something new, not Mm -hmm. from the thing itself. Mm -hmm. I have a good friend who is also an entrepreneur. She's incredibly creative and artistic and she's finding that everything she creates could be a business. And so she's trying to detach the creative artistic side from the pressure to, I could make money from this. How do I monetize this? Could this be my side business? Tell me how this, how you can find joy in creating something new and not make a business out of it because clearly you have a business brain. I do. And I do the same thing. I'm always like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I could maybe do this on Saturdays. You know what I should do in my spare time or like even starting the podcast. Like I was working full time and not that I, wanted to make money off the podcast when I started. I just wanted to share my story when I first started it. But again, it was like, okay, well, I got to sell merch and I got, and that's also why it became such a bigger thing than I could handle. But it just, I got to make a website and I got to do this. And really, I didn't got to do any of it. I didn't need to set a schedule. You know, we were talking before, like I've been considering, you know, starting it up again or possibly doing a different podcast. If I did it, I don't know it would be just for me. There wouldn't be a schedule. I would do it when I had something to say. I would post when there was good conversations to talk about. That just takes so much of the pressure off because I think, I mean, in, in our experience, we're like every second Wednesday, we post an episode. We are on a schedule regardless of what happens. And it creates this invisible pressure that I don't know if anybody else is thinking about it, but us, and it can be a joy sucker. Yeah. I, I had people reach out to me. When is the next episode coming? When is it? So I did have the pressure. <laughs> yep. And, or they would say like, whatever you do, please don't quit this. Because I was like, you know, a self-proclaimed quitter. And, you know, listen to the podcast. You'll find out what happened. <laughs> the yeah. feedback that you get as a podcast host, though, also like it's like toss another log on the fire, right? It's like, we got to give the people what they want. They love this, right? So I feel like that adds to the pressure too. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm just, um, I just got back from vacation actually. And I had surprised my little niece with a, a trip to a soccer game. She's a huge soccer fan. It was so good. So I'm the type of person, and I had to keep it a secret, but I'm the type of person, if I have a gift to give, if I buy it and it's like November 22nd, and it's a Christmas, you're getting it. I'm too, I'm not waiting. I'm not. I can't so keep a present secret thing. to save my life. I totally <laughs> feel you. Yeah. It was the same thing with the podcast though. I would be like, as soon as I would have the episode, like there's, I started off when I did the episodes one a month and then I changed to like every two weeks, but it was like, I just wanted to put them all out at, at once. I was so excited to share them all. So, so that was also part of it. I did really enjoy doing it. I think sometimes when we are entrepreneurs, our business brain is always going, how can I monetize? And that creates the pressure. And I feel that I think that sometimes 
we can get so excited and so impulsive. Like I bought a gift in November and you're getting it today because I can't mm -hmm. wait to get it out there. Was quitting an impulsive decision for you? No. <laughs> I, I think I should have, I look back now and I think I should have quit sooner, but it was kind of lingering for a while. And then, but when I made the decision, I was done. I was like, nope, like I, I'm just going to quickly wrap up projects that I had going. I'm just, I was ready to move on. So no, it wasn't a hard decision. I think normally when I quit anything, that's how I feel is it sometimes takes me a while to make the decision, <laughs> ask my friends and family members. Um, but once I make it, I'm, I'm moving ahead and maybe that's with anybody. I don't know. I find some people make decisions really quickly. But. I don't know who those people are. I am not one of them. I also take forever to make a decision. When you told people you quit, again, for anybody who's listening to this and who's like, I'm thinking about people who are hedging or going, should I quit? Should I not quit? What were some of the assumptions that people made about your decision? Or did you just turn it all off and not listen? Mm, I mean, some people were like, you know, you're doing so good. You got so many, you have so many followers. Okay. Followers don't pay my mortgage. Cool. But followers are not the dollars that we need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the people who counted, who like really mattered were like, it's okay. You got to do what you got to do. You have to do what's right for you. And I think the people who counted saw me struggle for a really long time and kind of didn't say anything or didn't, you know, step up and not, I mean, they just didn't want to interfere. Not that they were terrible people in my life, but they just didn't want to interfere with what was going on. I think that's such an interesting thing because there are people that we hold very dear to us, whether in business relationships or personal relationships. And this thought is coming from a story. I was out for dinner with a friend a couple weeks ago and I said to her, you know, you've never asked me what I would do in your situation. She's thinking about the next direction in her business. And she said, you know, I, I haven't. I actually haven't really asked anyone because I don't think anybody would tell me the truth. Mm. And she goes, you might. I said, <laughs> yeah, I might. And she said, what do I do with the business? And I said, sell it tomorrow. Quit. Be done. <laughs> And the first thing she said was, okay, and then what do I do? Mm. And I, my response in this case was, and then you take three months off or six months off. You let some of the space just fuel you. What did you do right after you quit? You wrapped up contracts. You stopped taking on more. What did you do after you quit? Well, I couldn't afford to... Um take a break. So I actually took, this is funny now thinking about it. I took a six month contract doing business development for a, a construction company in Edmonton <laughs> that is no longer, <laughs> but, um, it was just like a short stint and it was like, I knew how to put all the pieces together. It was kind of getting me to my next, my next thing after that. 
I think that this like short guaranteed amount of time was like, I am going to get a paycheck for the mm. next six months. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to go home. Hopefully you could sleep at night. Mm. Oh yeah. Started sleeping. Oh, I, and, wow. and honestly, I needed the, I needed that like steady paycheck to figure out what to do next. I was not in a space prior to that, that I could take my time figuring it out. You know, I, I was just, I, yeah, it just wasn't a good, I wasn't in a good place then. I appreciate how honest you're being about this. So thank you for that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is hard for some people to share. And I imagine listeners who are in a similar position are like, oh, she makes it sound really easy. <laughs> Yeah, so it was super simple. Oh, yeah, just piece of cake. <laughs> just quit tomorrow. <laughs> no big deal. Get another job. You're fine. At what point, like like you've told us when enough was enough. You've, mm-hmm. You're starting to pay attention to your body. You're taking a really good look at your bank account. And you're going, how long am I really going to do this for? Is there any part of you that can identify like you should have stopped sooner? Or did you think you had to get that far I didn't think I had to get that far I think I thought I had come that far so how could I quit now and this is crazy because I was a quitter like I prior to this I never stayed at a job that long either because I like doing new things so it was weird that it had been almost five years and I was still slogging away at it that's very interesting. I, I am quite sure, Liz, you're going to have to cut some of the times that I say interesting. I'm going to need to get a better <laughs> word. Similarly, I'm 36 now, and this is my sixth career. Hmm. This is also the thing I've been at the longest. So I, I feel the, well, I've put in this much. Yep. Do I just keep going? Did you have anybody that tried to sway you in that direction along the lines of the assumptions of, but you're doing so good. Your clients love you. Any of that? I don't, I don't think anybody was like that because I think when I told, when I finally told people, I, it was just so decisive that I was like, listen, I'm, I'm done. Oh, and I'm doing this other thing now. Like I didn't necessarily give everybody the play by play, but. And you weren't asking for feedback either. It's like, this is the decision. I'm going to this next thing, not looking for what you have to say about this. Yeah. One of the things that you quote in your podcast and I I've heard it and I feel like I'm still processing it. So I want to ask you to explain it. These two sentences, stress is about too much. Burnout is about not enough. Oh, <laughs> I, your podcast is brilliant. I don't know why you look surprised. Um, I, I keep thinking a lot about that going, okay, so stress is the, that there's too much happening and burnout is going, there's not enough of something. Mm. What did that look like for you? Or what did hearing that do to you? So burnout for, for me, I think I'm, I probably, I just recently earlier this spring had, I think my eighth round of burnout. (laughs) Like I'm just a chronic burnout person. And so part of that is because I'm all or nothing. 
So for me, burnout occurs because I work, 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 and that's all. I'm like, this is all I care about is working. And I'm in that zone. And I'm starting to learn. I just recently moved to Calgary. And so I've been spending some time in the mountains and I've been, you know, trying to do different things. I'm trying to learn balance a little bit better. I, I know women typically aren't great at this, but I've, I've sucked pretty hard. So I'm really trying to like make an effort. I, I've created boundaries, never had that before. So that's cool. And that was part of burnout too. You're just, if you're constantly saying yes to someone or you're like, or anyone, and you're constantly in overwhelm, you're, you're going to be burnt out all the time. Whereas like, and I was constantly thinking of, part of it too is you're constantly thinking of things you have to do. So your, your to-do list is constantly running. Like, cause I'm a perfectionist too. So I'm always thinking I got to do all these things on my list. Whereas like stress is actually too much. So it's actually, you have too much to do. Burnout, I could be sitting on the couch watching Netflix, but burnt out because all this stuff is playing in my mind. It's exhausting. We can talk to my therapist about it, but like that's kind of the gist of, of how it works. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm an overthinker and so I'm prone to burnout. Mm-hmm. I feel like you and I have the, this beautiful trifecta of chaos of like perfectionism <laughs> and lack of balance and consistent yeah. burnout. I very much understand this. And then again, to come back to what you said, when people look on Instagram, they're like, oh, look mm. at this great work she's doing. Look at her cool clients. Everything must be great. I want to hear about life after quitting. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to like, dig into those crunchy parts again. So let me just give you a little bit of hope life after quitting. And then I'm taking you back down. (laughs) Life after quitting has gotten better and better and better. At first it was rough, right? Because I was constantly, I would run into people. I still run into people and they're like, so what do you do for work now? I think out of just pure curiosity, I think they're like, you know, trying to expose all my trauma, which (laughs) They're not, they're just trying to, you know, they're just curious. Um, But yeah, it's been good. Learning balance is great. Um, Taking what I've, what I learned as a business owner and applying it to my work. The hardest thing that has been from quitting, I guess, from quitting the business is that because I knew how to do everything, because I was a one woman show, it's really hard not to. So I get involved in all kinds of things, right? Like somebody's like talking it. And now I'm for the first time in a long time, I'm working in an office, which I haven't done in probably 15 years. And so somebody will be talking about something in the office and, and I'm like, that's not right. I know that that's not right what they're saying. This was going to be my in... number one question for you. It's like, Liz how do you do this? We both came off mute at the same time. And we were like, <laughs> we, we both had to talk. I'm like, how, what are you like as an employee now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you, everything. You, you watch them, right? And you, you're hearing their answer is wrong. But I know because from experience, like I did this the first time. Oh, well, that's not right. And then I pipe up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody's coming to me and asking me stuff. And I'm doing all of these things that A, aren't in my job description. 
it's like scope creep, right? As a business owner, you're like, you're, this is what's happening. So I've just learned to also cause I'm a hand talker. So I sit on my hands and I just shut my mouth and I don't say anything because I mean, unless it's something really wrong, of course. It's 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 a group of people over there can figure out on their own because they're smart and they're capable. Cool. I don't need to give my opinion. And that's also been hard is when as an interior designer, I was paid for my opinion. So to not give an opinion on something is, is hard. Oh, it's so counterintuitive when what you're used to doing, I'm, I'm thinking about other people I know who have quit at something or gone into like traditional employment. Like it's hard to not say anything or it's like, am I going to get in trouble for saying something here? Because my whole business is based around getting more efficient and I can see an inefficiency, but I'm not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. I think the other thing for me too, after quitting, I've always been a goal setter and most of my goals revolved around work. And when I quit, I was like, okay, work is just not going to be like a, you know, like my everything. So now I have to set other goals. And that's been kind of interesting is like trying to figure out like, who am I? Outside of LinkedIn, <laughs> outside of Instagram, you know, and that's been kind of, I'm actually super cool. Like if anybody wants to, I- <laughs> you seem very cool. And I'm just like sliding under my desk being like, wait, 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 goals outside of work. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Right. Cause everything has to be profitable and monetized and we need to know the metrics. So I basically saying I'm, I'm feeling attacked and like, I'm just getting some payback for asking all these hard questions. <laughs> well, the other thing I did to sort of like counter it, you were asking like, what, what do I do? I do things that are like counterintuitive to the hustle. So like gardening, you know, I like playing in the garden. I like, you know, I, I did a perennial flower bed this year, which was really hard And it's like, first of all, you got to wait years for them to come to like real fruition here. So that is like anything that like kind of forces me to slow down. Also, I like going out to the mountains because there's usually no cell service there. And it's just me and my dog. It's nice. I get that. I think I have one strange habit. Whenever there's a revolving door, like in a mall or something or in an airport, where it's going to slow you down. I always choose them. I like take it and I'm like, just enjoy this leisurely walk through this door. And so I, I have, I mean the tiniest little piece of going away where there's no cell service, but (laughs) finding that there's another way to live. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And when I was looking at other people around me, this is what I was like, what am I doing wrong? I'm looking at people around me who are like, you know, relaxed and they look like they sleep at night and they're just like, you know, they weren't like gaining weight at rapid pace. Like I was, you know, cause my cortisol was like through the roof. I'm just like, what am I not doing? So I just started like watching some of my close friends and family members who like aren't on Instagram, don't care about like, business that much what are they doing in their day-to-day and doing what they do I like that having a model of a different way of living 
I told you I was going to take you back to the messy middle part. <laughs> For anybody okay. who's listening to this who's considering quitting, can you give us any ideas or questions for how to assess if quitting is the right decision or at the very least, like what do we do next? Well, I think for one, for me, it's always been like a feeling like somebody had described this to me once that it was like a push pull. You know, if you feel like you're doing something that feels like you're kind of being pushed along, that's, I think I'm telling this right. (laughs) So don't quote me. That's like you're going in the right direction. But if you feel like you're constantly like struggling and like pulling that feeling inside of you for whatever it is you're doing, like, like for me, just a simple example, ironing, like I hate ironing. That is like, it's a dumb chore. It, It just is. I don't know why I even buy clothes that need ironing, but whatever. But something like that, I feel like it's just this tension that just doesn't feel good. That's kind of how I can kind of tell that it's not, it's not expansive at all. It's like restricting. I'm just thinking I'm, I'm here on mute and I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. So what in my life feels constrictive versus expansive or that, that push pull feeling I'm doing the exact thing that I'm recommending people who are listening doing, which is like, look at what you're actually doing figure out what the goals are. Are the things you're doing helping you get to your goal and at what cost? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes like a a phrase I'll use all the time here is sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze or some money is too expensive. Mm, That's a good one. Mm -hmm. As somebody who, yeah, I've been there. That money was real expensive. Yeah. Another example of that was, I mean, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't listened to the podcast. I quit my podcast Um, because it felt like too much work. And I know sometimes work is work, but this wasn't, this was supposed to be something fun that I was doing. And it just felt like, uh, like I just felt zapped all the time. And and it was again, contributing to that burnout because I was always thinking like, who am I going to book on the show? What are we going to talk about? When am I going to record everything? Like it was just too much. And it creates that pressure, even if the pressure comes from validation of people saying, oh, it's so good. Oh, I want you to talk to this person. I want more than one episode a month. It's this push pull in a different sense of like, I'm getting the validation, but it's a slog for me to do. The joy is being sucked from it. Yeah. I want to, if you decide to launch your podcast again or return or unhit pause, uh, I want to go quit something so that I can talk to you about this more. Okay, cool. Okay, let's go quit something. Um, One thing that you say in multiple episodes on the Quitters Club is that when people want to know the reasons, because people always want to know, cool, why are you quitting? You reiterated that the reason doesn't matter. All that matters is that it no longer works for me. Mm -hmm. You say this with such assertion and confidence, and yet... I think there's an urge to justify, here's why I quit. I was in debt. I was miserable. My body did this. Do you think we still need to find all of the reasons to quit or to justify it? I think everybody's different. Like, did I need those reasons? No, no. I had those reasons, but I didn't need them, I guess. And some people, they don't need it either. They're just like, meh, I don't want to do this anymore. 
I think it also depends on what you're quitting. So I use, I say in the quitters club, it's not about giving up. It's about taking your life back. So it's kind of like adding something in or adding more space, I guess, to live a, a fuller life and getting rid of the thing that just grinds your gears, whether that's your business or your job or your husband or whatever, right? So I think, I don't know, do people need the reasons to quit? I mean, they're always, I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> I was thinking about this recently, actually. How many men, I don't know how many men listen to your podcast, but how many men <laughs> quit a business, sell a business, just stop their thing, and they're just like, oh yeah, now I'm doing this, and nobody questions it. Because they don't justify it. Women are like, well, you know, the kids and I had to do this and my hair wasn't the right color for the show. And, the, you know, like all these excuses. I don't know why we do it, but we do. I think also that when men say they're quitting something, the assumption is they quit because they're onto something bigger and better. Yeah. And I don't know if that assumption is made with women necessarily. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I can definitely see myself thinking, oh, why are you quitting? I remember when I left teaching, people would say, oh, is it because it's too hard? And oh. I remember having, yeah, I know. I remember having to say, no, I loved it. People like, really? Did you like it? Are you, it's really hard to teach high school. Yeah, cool. It is hard to teach high school. I was good at it. I loved it. And I wanted more. I knew I wanted a, a different type of impact. Mm. So I find myself justifying, whereas I think if a, if a man quits, it can be like, good for you, champ. I don't know why I just did like a punch in the arm to an invisible man here. <laughs> but I definitely think there's, there's kind of a double standard there. Yeah. And they never, they never give reasons. No, they just do it. And I, I think there's less ruminating or thinking about it or overthinking about it because I, I imagine that people who are listening, if they're thinking about quitting something, they're already coming up with the exit story. How do mm -hmm. I get to control the narrative of mm -hmm. what this looks like? And you do. I think that's the win. If anybody's listening who is like, I don't know, it's your story. So you can make it whatever you want. Or just say nothing. Just say it do doesn't work for me anymore. It's like when you want to, somebody's like, oh, do you want to come to my Halloween party? It starts at 930. What? At night? No. No, <laughs> no I but do not. Yeah. <laughs> and so you don't need to answer like that. You can just say, I'm sorry, I can't make it because I'm sleeping. You don't need to say it, but you just, you know, it's just, you don't need to give an explanation. But we are sleeping for the record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 930 in the PM? Hell yeah, no. yeah. I know. love that That's you're giving us some of this language of like, thanks for thinking of me. No, not right now. Why did yeah. you quit? Because it wasn't working for me. So I yeah. think that anyone who's listening, it's like, find the phrase that feels most comfortable for you that doesn't necessarily get you into all of the justifying. Because if you've already made the decision, chances are you've done all the justifying that you need to already. Yeah. Another phrase you can say, I think that people, <laughs> I'm not very good at this phrase, but you can just say, I changed my mind. Oh, I know. I love that we all reserve the right to change our mind. It's not something that I act on all the time, but you're a hundred percent right. I changed my mind. It wasn't working. 
I wanted something different. I wanted my time back. Yeah. Oh, Candace, thank you so much. I'm like beautifully sweaty and excited and happy that you are living in Calgary and sad that it means I can't just like run to your house and (laughs) hug you and say thank you. Um, This has been absolutely spectacular. Now, we will, of course, link to the Quitters Club. It is a fantastic podcast. Like I said, I'm about halfway through and it's just thoughtful. They're wonderful stories. And you have shared that it has been transformational for a lot of listeners where they've been able to quit a relationship, a job, a business, something that wasn't working for them. So thank you for sharing all of this. Well, thank you for having me. I hope that everybody listening to this can take a step back and think about what is no longer working for you. We're not saying you have to quit tomorrow, but we're saying Mm -hmm. maybe consider how you can get some of that space back and find some of that relief and that expansiveness and, and Candace, the hand talker and Amanda, the hand talker, both doing this open, opening up movement. Um, because it, it exists. We don't have to feel constricted. We use the language don't ask, don't get. And so every single guest that we have on here, we give you the opportunity to ask for something that you want. Maybe it's that you want us to find you on social media. Maybe it's that you want recommendations for great places to go and hike. Maybe it's that you want someone to ask you to share the most adorable picture of your dog. Is there (laughs) something you'd like to ask our audience for? So my ask is the same thing I ask any um, candidate that I interview is I want to know what you're binging on Netflix. Ooh, love it. Are you two going to share with me? Uh, well, Elizabeth, I don't know if we have that kind of time. Elizabeth <laughs> is so good at television. She, no, it's a, I swear. She's good at television. Comment. She's so good at television. Okay, Liz, okay. you go first. Then I'll tell if you. If you ever need binging. a TV recommendation, come to me. I am currently binging on Netflix, Shameless, which ended a couple of years ago. It's yeah. 11 seasons long. Maybe it just ended last year. It's 11 seasons. I'm on season eight. You know, with the writer's strike, there's not a lot of new TV. So I wanted to commit to something that had some length to it. And Shameless is wonderful. William H. Macy, it's a great show. I am watching Vanderpump Rules. So don't (laughs) spoil it. Don't, like, I have put my head in the sand. I know that there are things that happen with the Toms. I don't want to know what they are. I am currently in season six. I am loving every second of it. And I am proud to say that I am entirely caught up on every Real Housewives franchise in America and Canada. I'm almost through Cheshire in the UK and I have not yet touched Dubai, but I'm going strong. I'm a Bravo gal. Uh, so I, I don't watch any reality TV. I don't like it. I, I'd rather watch a fake drama that oh. I know is like not real instead of reality TV that is like scripted. So don't last you take year, that back. Reality TV is not scripted. <laughs> so last year I took four months off work because I was like, I'm just gonna take a break. I had been working for two years during COVID. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I took four months off and my cousin somehow convinced me to watch Love is Blind. <laughs> and I watched season one and now she's like, you got to watch the newest season. I'm like, I can't watch any more of this program. Like this is so, 
I mean, I was into it at the time. I'm concerned, like, I'll lose intelligence watching these shows. Oh, that's fair. Oh. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, that is real. I've only seen season four, so I have to go back. Of Love is Blind? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I'm just like, as if they're getting engaged right now. <laughs> Look, I've been dating for 20 years. Okay? And these people know each other for 35 minutes, and they're just like, I love you. And they have it, and it's like on the other side of the wall? Okay, okay. yeah, that's not scripted at all. Candace, what? is your ask that you would like to be on Love is Blind? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I just oh was going to ask you quick, Liz. Was there something that you were going to quit? I mean, I did quit my job to start my own business. <laughs> But you're Back not thinking of quitting anything now. Hmm. Not that I am currently aware of. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm now thinking, I'm like, ooh, what are you, what could you quit? What could I quit? <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm going to think about it. Yeah. Something I used to ask all the podcast people was, tell me three things you'll never quit. Oh. Candace, I know yours. I listened what to that today. That? Coffee. Yeah. Any kind, from black coffee to cream and sugar, the whole thing. Being curious, <laughs> mm -hmm. you will ask hard questions, and creating. You said, I will yeah. always create something. Yeah. I love this question. Three things you'll never quit. Because the whole thing was about quitting, and I wanted people to have that, like, positive note at the end where it's like, you know, and most people related, it related back to the thing that they quit, whatever mm. it was. And some people, it was just like chocolate. You know, people were yeah. just like certain things. I love this question. Uh, Liz, let's answer this. And we're going to turn this into a little Instagram square or reel or something. The three things will never quit. I love that. What a great question. Thanks, Candace. Yeah. yeah, thanks for this. Um, again, you are a star. Thank you. We will let you go. This has been an absolute delight. Well, thanks. I hope it was worth your time. Absolutely. Of course. Yes, okay. absolutely it was. Absolutely it was. If that episode has you fired up to make some decisions, to do some quitting, or think about what no longer works for you, I would love to help you with that. Come to business therapy, which is what I call the business strategy and coaching sessions with me. If you need some support making decisions, if you need to talk out what you're doing or pull apart the pieces of your life and work, figure out what's working, what's not working, what's kind of working and what your actual goal is, put me in coach. You can find me at theamandawagner.com. And of course, for little tidbits like this, check out the other 92 episodes of the podcast and follow me on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner. If you're looking for any sort of digital support, whether that's writing for your website or for social media, we can chat. Visit my website, lizpittman.com or find me on Instagram at lizpittman. Liz, now that Candace asked you that question about if you are quitting anything, I want to go quit something. I'm mm -hmm. excited. Mm -hmm. Let's find I'm something ready. to quit. Yeah, I'm ready to quit something. Okay. Okay. Let's go quit something together. Okay, that sounds good to me. We will be okay. back with a new episode in two weeks. And until then, we will see you on the internet.
Sometimes I do really wish we could just talk about TV here. Me too. Did you notice we have the same nail polish on today? I wondered if you would because yeah. we have pink glasses. So I wasn't. Yeah, this is the one. You, Happy days. Is that it? Whatever Sunny? it's called. Yeah. Yeah. The one yeah. you recommended it to me. Oh, yeah. How cute yeah, are we? We're so cute. 